0: Awesome. I'm going to read, uh, the message today is on Romans 3, and so I'm going to read the first portion of that. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means, for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why? Am I still being condemned as a sinner, and why not do evil, that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jew and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. They have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified. In his sight, since through the law, comes knowledge of sin. Join me in prayer. Lord, thank you so much that... You are present today, that you've already been in in motion in our lives. You've already been here before we even thought of coming today. You were present. And so, Lord, we're asking that your words may be said, that the words of Seth's mouth may come from you, and that our ears may hear what's being said, and that you, being the word, became flesh, may flow in our ears, and that we may... Be hearing your truth today. In your name we pray, amen.
1: Booyah, awesome. Hey, it is our time for our kind of message here. We are in a series that we're calling uh, Romans. We're walking through the book of Romans. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd really encourage you to open up your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the stuff on the screen and stuff. But, um, and if you need a Bible, we got free Bibles in the back. So make sure you grab one of those. I wanted to uh, kind of kick off today's message. Uh, thank you, Ian, for reading that little um, those twenty verses there, uh, but we're actually going to be pushing on further. We're going to do all of chapter three today in today's message. Which, if you had, if you've studied it even just a little bit, you'll know how impossible of a task this is for me to do. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. I want to kind of set up today's message with this video. So take a look. You maybe have seen this already. Take a look and see, uh, let's just kind of see where this goes, okay? Here it is, check it out. (laughs) No, honestly, I'm cutting onions, uh, honestly. You guys see that one? Did you see that one over Christmas? Oh, man. Anybody crying right now? Holy cow, don't we? Wow. That is just, that one gets me. Every time I watch it, I've watched it probably two dozen times this past week, and I'm just crying every time. What an incredible kind of... um, What an incredible kind of little video. But I think it actually connects with today's message uh, quite a bit. Uh, Let me start by asking you this question. Uh, Who's the main character? Who's the main character in that story, in that commercial, right? With good taste at the end. I don't know what that is. Probably a beer commercial or something. Uh, What is, is, who's the main character? Grandpa's the main character, right? It's not. It's not the, the 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 neighbor, right? Nobody would probably be like, yeah, it's the neighbor who, who makes the call. It's not the daughter, right? Who's like trying to like keep an eye out for her dad or something? No, it seems. Like, and then it's like, yeah, but is it maybe like the little girl? The, this cute little girl comes walking down the steps, and it's kind of like, is she the main character? No, we'd all probably agree the main character is the grandpa, right? This early part of Romans, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, what we've been in now for the past four weeks, uh, it can be tempting, it can be tempting to make the, the story about us. It can be very, it can be very tempting to make uh, this kind of beginning part of Romans about us and as i was kind of thinking about that a little bit i was like "Well, i I want to rush through a little bit of this but but even that question ian just even just kind of read it uh even this question of something like uh and i don't have it on the screen but something like that god is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us what shall we say that that maybe god is unrighteous you know Just that idea, Paul is asking a question there to kind of get us thinking a little bit, but could you actually get to a point where you'd look at God and say, man, the the way these first couple chapters of Romans have kind of gone, maybe God is unrighteous. Maybe there's something wrong with him. Right? I mean, again, if you haven't been kind of with us the past couple weeks, you're probably like, well, what was the first couple chapters about? Well, go look at that. But all of a sudden, if we kind of make this story about ourselves, it's amazing how when we're the main character, we could maybe even look at something like the grandpa who kind of tears up at the end in this particular story. Well, maybe he was just doing this out of kind of selfish reasons for himself. It's amazing how wacky things can get when we begin to make ourselves the center of the story. And see, this is what it's all been about. These first couple chapters have been about humanity taking the truth of God and and exchanging the truth of God for a lie. All over in here, it's been about humanity kind of standing over God and giving him the direction and, and saying, well, I know what you have for us, but we think there's a better way. And I don't know about you, but I sense that oftentimes in my own life, this temptation to, to say, well, I know even better than God. Maybe there's something wrong with him which is kind of fascinating. I mean, definitely we see this in our culture today. Definitely we see this all around us. Those who'd say, "Oh, well, maybe there's something wrong with him. Is he unrighteous? Then we move into this next part. And Paul here, uh, it's just fascinating to me, but if you have your Bibles, it'll really pop for you. It didn't quite pop up here as much, but uh, this, this verses 9 through 20, Paul goes into lawyer mode. He kind of becomes a lawyer here, and he comes after us a little bit, and what he's doing is he's actually, it's fascinating, I wish I could preach on this, I just, I don't have time, but, but um, it's fascinating, he takes some Old Testament scripture passages, and he kind of glues them together here, okay, so like, um, none is righteous, no, not even one, that's an Old Testament text, and then verses 11 and 12, that's a different Old Testament text, And then verse 13a, that's a different Old Testament text. 13b, that's a different Old Testament text. So we read it and we're like, oh, he's quoting some long section somewhere. No, no, no. He's actually grabbing different scripture texts, putting them together. And what's the purpose here? The purpose is to point out our failure, our unrighteousness, right? None is righteous. No, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside, uh, turned aside. And it just goes through all, 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 none, none, none. Everyone. And this is what's fascinating, because in chapter one, which I thought was an amazing sermon that I preached, from two weeks ago, go look at it but this is what's kind of going on, right? It's putting all of us kind of in this same boat of we've all exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And so, you know, something that kind of pops, and I taught on this a little bit, but somebody who's struggling with maybe a, a an issue like in our culture today, we'd be like kind of, Even now, as I say it, some of us will be like, huh, kind of shot, But like sexual identity issues or uh, same-sex attraction kinds of things. And we look at that and we're like, okay, I have something to say about that. In that same list, God brings something like, oh, yeah, and also you who are disobedient to your parents. Oh, yeah, some of you who are, are gossips and boastful. And all of a sudden, just even in this first chapter, we all get lumped together. And we all get brought to this place where, where are we in this story? Well, Paul comes here and says, you're guilty. And he's, 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 he turns into lawyer mode. And he brings a case against humanity. And he says, we're, we're screwed. We've got a real problem on our hands. And this is really the problem that we're kind of struggling with. It's this great equalizer. It just kind of sets the stage for we're all in this together as humanity, even the way in which we think about God or we think about ourselves. We're all in this together. My, my, I, got, I got four brothers. And uh, we still joke, even now as adults, we still joke about who can take who. Anybody do that with their family? You know what I'm saying? Who's better looking? Who's, you know, all that stuff. Well, we know that stuff. We know most of these, uh, who that really is. But we, you know, we still have this kind of competition about who could take who down and who's stronger and all this stuff, right? And see, sometimes when, when we look at something like sin or brokenness, as, soon, if, if, as long as we play the game where we compare to each other, we don't look too bad. See, if I can compare my life to other people's lives, I can always come out as, okay, maybe not quite as good as that person, but at least a lot better than that person over there. I'm way better than Susie. I'm way better than, you know, just all the names. Every time I think of a name, it's always one of you. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to. I gotta think of some generic names. But, but... That's kind of what he's doing here is he's saying, no, 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 don't compare to each other. Do more of a comparison before God, falling short of of his glory, right? This would be like, okay, maybe I could take my brothers down, which I can, but as soon as it's compared to someone like Jet Li or something, well, isn't Jet Li? Jet Li might be dead. Is Jet Li dead? Who? Jet Lee's fine? Oh, Jet Li's good. Bruce, Bruce, Lee. Bruce Lee is what I'm thinking about. Okay, gotcha. Well, someone like Bruce Lee or Jet Li or stuff like that, I can't take them down, right? I mean, that, that's not going to happen. They're just, they're, they're, they're stronger, they're faster, they're ninja people kind of things, right? That's just the reality. And so if I can compare just to other people, to my brothers or whatever, that's one thing. But when I begin to compare myself to someone who's much more superior, much more supreme, it instantly puts us all in the same playing field. Does that make sense? What Paul is doing here is he's saying, okay, okay, it might seem like you're a little better than the person next to you. You might, oh, sure, you only struggle with disobedience to parents and you don't struggle with with same-sex attraction tendencies or something. But hold on a second. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I haven't read that yet. I'm going to go there. But that's this next section. All. None. No one. Everybody. We're all in this together. And this, is, this, is, this becomes really important because there becomes this gap. And as as we look at the righteousness of God, which is some of what Ian was talking about reading for us, as we look at his righteousness, and as we begin to reflect on ourselves in comparison to this righteousness, this gap begins to grow and grow and grow. And the question quickly becomes, what's gonna close the gap? How's that gap gonna close? Because every bridge I try to build it never even gets close. Every shot I take never even gets close to the target. I'm always falling short. How does that gap get brought together? And see, when we are the center of the story, (laughs) there's always a falling shortness. You'll always fall short. Let me read to you what possibly, what some commentators would say is their favorite six verses in the entire Bible. This past week, I drew a heart over these seven verses in my Bible. And it was kind of annoying because it's on two pages, so I had to draw two hearts. It was so annoying. But I did that. Thank you for the one laugh who's following me this morning. This, these next, this is why I, I wanted Ian to read the first twenty verses, and then I was like, no, no, then you got to get down because I want to read this. <laughs> I want to read this. This is, this is the heart. I mean, there, there, some commentators talk about this being. If, if I could have no other verses from the Bible, these would be the ones I want. Listen to this. Listen to this. If there's a problem and there's a gap between humanity and God, and we stop playing this game where I can kind of make myself look good because I compare myself to others, no, what about my relationship with the God of the universe? Listen, but now, he just drops the hammer, he drops the lawyer, he drops the lawsuit on you, and, and all the evidence points to he's right. But now, now that but now, uh, I got to quick just say this. This brings us back to, do you remember chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, when I said this is the theme of the book of Romans? What does it say there? I don't have this on the screen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in it, The gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I just want to quick say, uh, and I'll probably say this maybe another time. uh, Do you know about the Reformation? Uh, 500 some years ago, a guy named Martin Luther, right, comes on the scene, brings reform to the church. Verse 17 there was the That was the key verse that he studied and studied and studied to get him to think about this righteousness. He had been thinking about the righteousness of God as if God is so far away and the gap never closed. And he kept himself as the center of the story. And so then it's always him having to try to figure out, how do I close the gap? And he, he lived his whole life like this. He could never close the gap. And then we, we get into this, how tough, how rough, and how bad our culture is, how bad we are. And then it picks this righteousness theme up again, okay? And I want you to see that. It's kind of like verse 17 ends. He gets into the wrath of God, and then he gets into, he like picks up righteousness of God again. But now, this is chapter 3, verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested, it's been made clear apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets, bear witness to it. This is what he's saying here. He's saying the Old Testament, all of this has been bearing witness to what God is going to do from a place of righteousness. Now watch this. Verse 22. Oh baby, get the highlighter out. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God Through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. I want to quick highlight the fact that that word justified sounds like a very different word than the word righteous, right? One starts with an R, righteous. One starts with a J, justified. In the Greek, the words are the same. The the same word is used. Uh, So righteous, when it's a noun kind of here, is this dikaiosune. And then when it's the verb here, it's dikaiao, which is, Declare righteous. To declare something righteous. I just want you to notice that. Does that make sense? Uh, Come on, follow me here, guys. Declare righteous is justified. That's the word. Because I almost don't like that they say it like, use the word justified, because it's like, why do you use it? Just say, declare righteous. They're declared righteous by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, through the redeeming, buying back work of Christ Jesus, who God, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Ah, that go- I'm not going to get into it today. I don't have time. But that's mercy seat language. That's, that's bringing into mind Old Testament sacrificial system that word propitiation, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is a story. And God is the main character. It's a story about God. It's a story about Him. It's for you. I mean, if you were to text something out, if you were to TikTok something, this is what I'd TikTok out. It's for you but it's about him. It's for you, but it's about him. We've so quickly turned even messages and sermons and, and the church into about us, haven't we? We so quickly turn it into a story about we have to do even 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 how many churches will and I'm not like super crazy opposed or something like that, but I, I could see it potentially being done in an okay way, but you know, like altar calls or or things where like you have to give your life to Jesus, or I have to even I've, I'll even admit, even my own preaching at time has moved and and I think intentionally so into trying to convince you to like put your faith in Jesus or something like that. Okay, partly because I I do want our church to be a church that that speaks to the skeptic, and I want to speak to the atheist, and I want to speak to I want us to be a church that can actually articulate and think about things, even from a place of of knowledge, and and how can I think about and and I do believe there is something to be said about. Uh, laying the groundwork and the framework for kind of trying to convince people or or help people see that a Christian worldview is actually the the, the most, it gives the most full picture to the answers or to the questions that we might have in this world. Does that make sense? I mean, uh, our our whole world is asking questions, and I believe, I, I believe this with all my heart, and I even think Even just straight up philosophically, you could argue, Christianity answers those questions better than any other worldview. I believe that to be true. But I find myself sometimes leaning into that side of things to try to convince you. And when I try to do that and I move into that, sometimes it almost makes you and me a a bigger player in the story than we really are. And today I just was kind of, I was, I don't know, something pressed on me. No, no, take the focus away from them. Put it on me. Put it on me. Could you imagine if that little commercial had just followed the little girl who's so cute and so adorable? And by the way, uh, this is where this analogy breaks down because you and I in our sin are not that cute. Romans will actually speak uh, something to the effect of, while we were enemies of God, he loved us and died for us. We were, not, we're not cute. God does not come to you and me because we're so cute and so cuddly. No, in your sin, he still loves you and died for you. I want you to hear that. But could you imagine if we had followed that little girl and she was playing Legos, and for a minute and a half, we just, we just watched her, and she played Legos, and played with her little dolls, and just did her little thing, and then she, we, the camera followed her down, followed her down the steps to Grandpa, who then picks her up and puts her on the chair. Tr- if, if that would have been the focus of the story, we'd have missed the whole thing. Right? Do, do you see what I'm trying to say? that we'd have missed that the story is actually about this guy who who sets up his, you know, he he sets up his picture and it's season after season, faithful after faithful step. he's, He's moving in a direction. It's a story about him. This is a story about God. It's about his activity. It's about his work. It's about his incredible love for you. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. I rarely hear that verse 22 from people where it focuses on God. Most of the time it focuses on, you better believe. Do you see the difference I'm maybe not doing a great job of helping you see that, but I want you to see it's about him. And it's a story that we're being brought into. It's a story that he's doing. He's working faithfully, even when we're faithless. Look at, look at verse 27 here. This is kind of how I'm gonna end here. reading on, Uh, sorry, I'm screwing this up for you guys in the back, I know that, but just try to stick with me. Then what becomes of our boasting? (laughs) It's like Paul answers, he asks the question we ask. What becomes of us then? What what? What do I get to bring to the table? What becomes of your boasting? It is excluded. It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. And now this is going to be, this, this idea of faith is going to be a teaching that I'm going, to, I'm going to start unpacking for us over the next couple of weeks, okay? We're going to see this with Abraham and, and all that kind of stuff. For we hold that one is justified, declared righteous by faith, apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? So should we just get rid of the law? By no means, you goobers. I just, can you hear Paul a little bit in some of this? No, you fruitcakes. That's not what I'm talking about. On the contrary, we uphold the law. But he's asking the questions that we so often ask in our ignorance, in our, in our twisting of everything. We twist and get everything so backwards. Oh, then where do I play? Oh, do I, oh, I don't have to even believe in Jesus. Shush. Just today bask in this idea that this story is about him. It's about what he's doing. It's about what he has done. And you and I are simply part of that, guys. He sees the gap. He knows there's nothing we can do to to get the gap to close. You and I have no power over our biggest problems. Do you see that? We have no power over things like death. We have no power in ourselves, by ourselves, over things like the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have no power on our own over sin and our mistakes in our life. Left to ourselves, there's nothing but a gap. But now the righteousness of God is manifested, it's made clear. How? And this is gonna be found in Jesus. And Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus goes to the cross to take your unrighteousness so that he might give you his righteousness. But that's God doing that. Jesus doing that. A minute and a half of the movie where You're not even in the, you know, it's just God, God, God. And we get to get hoisted up to put the little star on top. Do you see that? Wow. Because he allows us to be part of that, guys. Guys, in the end, now here here I'm going to go to my convincing a little bit. I want you to see this. C.S. Lewis writes this. This is an atheist who, turned, uh, who became a Christian. Uh, I use C.S. Lewis a lot, partly because he's such an influential part in my life. This comes from um, C.S. Lewis. He's, he's passed away now, but just a theological giant. He says, in the end, there will be two kinds of people. This is what he says. Two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those whom God will say to them, those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Either God says, thy will be done to you, or we say, thy will be done to him. He's the one in control of the story. He is the one who is working on your behalf. It is for you, but it's about him. And we will continue to look to him and look to him and look to him. That's why today when I started, what I, how I started the whole service with, man, there's incredible highs right now. There's incredible lows. There's, there's in-betweens. There's, we're all over the place with different feelings and emotions, right? This is why we focus on him. This is why we draw our attention and our eyes to him fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Just think about that, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's, again, the author, the writer of this. (sighs) It's it's all about him. Today, if there's one thing I'd ask you to do, when I go, I'm, I'm usually one of the last ones to leave here, and I get in my car and I pray for you every single Sunday. I pray for you, I pray for you watching online. And I pray, God, may what happened this morning, may what's heard, may what's experienced, may that go with everybody this next week. May they chew on it and munch on it and think about it and recall it. Let it not be just here. I, my prayer today is that you would bask. You know, the sunbathing, just bask. My prayer is you would just bask in the activity and work of God on on. on and, and, and his, I, I don't know if God has a little picture of each of us, but I get, the, I get the sense that God has a little picture of each and every one of you. He's got this little picture of each and every one of us. We're not the main character. The camera's not just focused in here. No, it's on God, but he's got a picture of each and every one of you. He knows you. He loves you. He's went to the cross for you. He shed his redeeming blood for you. He forgives you. Wow. On your own, you have no power. I know that. You know that. I could move into, uh, try to, I could convince you, I think, of that. Not over your biggest problems. Sure, your smaller little problems, your little, you know, your little lose weight, or I got you know, my, my business or my job. Or your little problems, sure, you, maybe have some, you may think you have kind of control and power over. Your biggest problems in life, you don't have power over those things. Thanks be to God that he is victorious on our behalf over those kinds of things. That's the stuff he cares about more than any of that. He's at work for you. Let me me pray for us and just kind of close us off here. (laughs) Lord, I don't know. This message to me was a bit confusing in my brain because I'm like, but I just, I felt, God, like you wanted us to just focus on you. And God, I guess I need to just say I'm sorry for where we haven't done that. If I've moved ever, God, in my messages and stuff to just always trying to, to articulate or um, be convincing or you know, be wise in my own eyes to try to convince people that you are the answer to their life or something, I'm sorry. I'm sorry where even myself, I haven't trusted maybe enough on you and your work through your word you work. God, we, we bring very little to the table. We, we bring our knees bowed down. We bring our hearts bowed down. And that's about it. And the rest that we bring is just sin and garbage and mistakes. And um, At least I know that's what I bring to the table. And so Lord, we're sorry for that. We're sorry for our mistakes. We're sorry for our But, but even then, like, help us not focus so much on that that we even focus not on you. Today, Jesus, we lift our eyes to you. We lift our eyes to you, Lord. And, and we just, uh, we focus our attention on you. God, we know that this, this text here is very clear. That just, oh, sure, I believe in God. That really, that's not even enough. Like, you're clear here, God. You're clear here that it's faith in you, Jesus. I think of so many people who, sure, okay, there's a God. Now will you leave me alone? No. It's in who you've revealed yourself to be. Jesus Christ, the God-man of Nazareth, who went to the cross for every single one of us. We focus our attention today on you, Jesus. Lord, I pray uh, for that person who's been a Christian their whole life and right now is just Again, repentful and is sorry for their own mistakes and their own failures. I lift that person up to you right now, Jesus. May they be brought strength and peace knowing that you love them and care for them. And that you forgive them. Jesus, I pray for that person who is uh, just wondering and still has so many, they're just still kind of in the, uh, I don't really know where I land on things. God, my heart, I just always, I love that person so much. And what I love is that you love that person so much. You're willing to leave the 99 to go after that person. You, You love that person so much. I just pray that you keep working in that person's life. Those people are just kind of still wondering and just thinking, and I still need some more processing or whatever. Just keep meeting that person, Jesus. Meet that person right where they're at. Keep walking with them. Thank you that that your heart is just, you you love that person so much. You will keep walking with them. Thank you for that, Jesus. Jesus, I lift up to you that person who has completely flipped you the bird, (laughs) who's just totally saying, screw it, I'm doing my own thing. God, I pray that you'd smack that guy and that gal in the back of the head with a two by four. Do something in their life. Just rock their world a little bit, Lord, so that they might, because I know you love that person so much and you care about that person. You died for that person. And I just pray that you keep working in that person's life too. God, every single one of us in this room, we know all those people. And there's other little people we could be praying for too. And, and yeah, I'm not articulating every single person on the planet. But God, I thank you that you love us. You do care about us. You got I don't know if you got a little picture of us or not. I don't know how that all works. But I do know you love the whole world. Every single person. Continue by the power of your Holy Spirit to draw our attention and focus to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.